Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dive into the thriving local arts, entertainment, and food scene with coasting editor Jerry Boggs and his guests. Let us be your guide to the creative South Coast. All right, good afternoon, and uh, welcome to our uh, illustrious podcasting studio slash supply closet uh, here at the uh, Standard Times, and I'll give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves. Well, it's so wonderful to be here today. My name is Armin Marchand, and I am the executive producer and founder of the New Bedford Festival Theater, currently in our 29th season. And I'm George Charbonneau. I am the artistic director of... You bet for Festival Theater and have been doing that for 29 years. Welcome, gentlemen, and uh, you all are coming in to talk about this summer's uh, big show. You're doing West Side Story this year. We are, we are, and it's strange when you make a decision to do a show, um, all of the coincidences that line up, because coincidentally, it just happens to be the 100th anniversary of the birth of... Leonard Bernstein, who composed the entire score for this, he was originally a native of Massachusetts, born in the city of Lawrence. But of course, most people know that he made his fame and his claim to fame in New York City uh, by writing Broadway musicals first and then becoming conductor of the New York Philharmonic in probably their greatest time period. Right, I agree, so on going neck and neck with that, the man who choreographed and directed the original production of West Side Story, Jerome Robbins, it's also the centennial of his birth. So 2018 must have been one heck of a year, <laughs> is all I can think. The vibes, even from the infant ward, yeah. had to be amazing. So, so that wasn't planned? You didn't? Pick West Side Story because it was the 100. No, not really. No, no. no. It's interesting because West Side Story, believe it or not, has always been my favorite musical because to me it has everything. I mean, there's romance, and at the opposite spectrum, there's tragedy. In between, I know it's hard to believe, but there's some scenes that are actually comic, and so the audience gets everything in one show. Also, the most spectacular dancing and the most beautiful love songs and character songs you will ever hear in a show. And it's also kind of pertinent today to talk about race and relations and and some of those themes that were so... Well, West Side Story was created in 1957. It opened in Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater in 1957. And uh, when you think about it, uh, 60 years ago, we're still dealing with the same problems you just mentioned with race and um, intolerance. Uh, the Puerto Ricans and the and the uh, Americans. and the Americans, the what they consider native-born, but they were certainly not native-born, not their background. Um, it's still pretty prevalent in a lot of what we see happening in the world news today. So, um, you know, I'm just thinking about the Mexicans at the border wall in, in Texas and what they're going through and trying to get in. And, you know, it's just that um, it does 
speak a lot to uh, the, I guess, the tenor and the temperature of a country like ours. And, and I really kind of believe that the more things change, the more they stay the same. I've always kind of believed that. Um, and yet, you're, I think people are over... The, the, the operative word is hope. As long as people have hope, and um, a show like this really makes you think of... There's a song in the show that's not in the movie called Somewhere. There's a place for us somewhere. Um, peace and quiet and open air wait for us somewhere. And that section of the show just lifts you up. And um, it, it, it re resonates with me a lot uh, when I think of the show completely. And it's... It's been with me my entire life because I was a freshman in high school when I was aware of it playing on Broadway, but in those days you didn't just say, well, Mom, well, Dad, can we go to Broadway tonight and see the show on next weekend? <laughs> it, 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 we were more into a provincial time period of people didn't go to New York just at the drop of a hat. So anyway, um, I went out to the record shop and bought the vinyl long-playing record and committed the entire show to memory when I was 14 years old. And I loved it. And that year, our um, glee club at Westport High School in the spring concert, the, um, the, the gal who ran the music program decided to do a whole medley of songs from West Side Story. So it, it's been with me forever. <laughs> The interesting thing about the show, too, is that, um, I don't know if you know the history of it, um, when Jerome Robbins came up with the original idea, it was not going to be West Side Story, it was going to be East Side Story. And believe it or not, it was going to be about the conflict of a Jewish family and a Christian family and, and their relatives and friends, uh, where the boy and the girl because this is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet from different families come together and uh, uh, how it creates the angst and the tragedy. And they realized that this was not going to really play that well. So um, at that particular point in the west side of New York is where uh, a lot of the Puerto Rican families had come in. And uh, so they decided they'd kind of shift the entire concept because there were a lot of gangs that were erupting in New York in the 50s. Well, that's that's the whole point, because with the East Side story, which was going to take place on the East Side of New York, this was more of a philosophical warfare, uh, as religion is supposed to be. Um, and and they were really pursuing that as a, as a theme. And then on the West Side, gang warfare erupted. And they thought, aha, this is even more <laughs> amazing. The other one might be a little too staid to pull in a, an audience every single night of the week. So that's how it all shifted, which is very strange. And many coincidences. The other coincidence is that when they shot the movie in 1961, they shot it right on the streets of the West Side. Most of the buildings had already been zoned off because they were going to be slated for demolition so they could build Lincoln Center. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's all of those blocks at 64th Street, 65th, 66th, up to 68th. Yeah, 68. And they ran down those sidewalks. And that's where um, 
just five years before, there was gang warfare. Yeah. And, and kids with switchblades. And, of course, when that happens in real life, it's really horrendous. But anything can be the subject matter of a musical. And I used to be a doubting Thomas about that until... Until I saw and witnessed the first, well, the original Broadway show of 1776, hmm. I thought, how are they going to get a musical out of the Second Continental Congress writing the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> Sounded like a yawner for me. But by the time I, the last scene played out, when they are signing the Declaration, the tears were just rolling down my cheeks because it was so emotional. And uh, it's interesting because over time, uh, both George and I have been in a production of it for the Little Theater of Fall River. In what year? We did it in 1976 oh, wow. during the Bicentennial. And George played John Adams, so he was the firebrand that was getting everybody whipped up to uh, <laughs> declare independence from yeah. England. Right. Well, the, you know, the interesting thing about a, a play like that, which is the play is such an important part and the music follows suit. Um, nowadays, we're getting a lot of musicals, which are the jukebox musicals, where they take music from a group and they turn it into a musical and all the music is very well known and the story can be just a lightweight thing to bring in the music both West Side Story based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and um, like Carmen said uh, Peter Stone's book for uh, 1776 uh, these are masterpieces in just the written word not necessarily adding the music to it so um, it, it's a very interesting concept when you think that um, they when they switched it as we can get back to that to the west side of New York and the gang warfare well it's more in keeping to what Romeo and Juliet is like with the Capulets and the Montagues because they were fighting in the streets they were fighting sword the fights streets. they were right. yeah. so generally what happened was it became closer to what the original <laughs> was than further apart so it's kind of interesting that and way. it's interesting because of course one of the great love songs in the show is tonight 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 it all began tonight when tony meets maria and they're on the fire escape which is a translation from the balcony right and it's just i don't know it to me it's just it's always fresh and interesting the vitality of youth so probably that's what's bringing us to the next point i think we could talk about is that we have to tap into that in order to do a production of West Side Story. Uh, technically, I guess, the, the ones that were doing the street battles were teenagers. But in order to have somebody play a teenager in any production of West Side Story, unless it's a school production, and we have done that, but if it's going to be a professional production, Virtually everybody is in at least their 20s because they need a degree in musical <laughs> theater before, and they have to be the most unbelievable and the most qualified dancers that you will ever meet. And so this is what has posed for us yet again, because believe it or not, this is the fourth go-round for George and I with West Side Story, beginning with New Bedford High in 1981. And some of those people are going to be coming to our opening night at the theater. Oh, that's fantastic. We're inviting them. Um, 
Believe it or not, most of them, if you did your math pretty quickly, <laughs> um, most of them are like in their mid-50s. So it's, and I know when I see them, I always melt down because they were the first, you know, and uh, they gave high school students the teaching years uh, the most amazing. If you tell them, oh, you can do this, they do it. It's yeah, it's beyond belief. We always say when we're working with the high school uh, uh, students that we treat them like professionals and they'll act professionally, and they did. They really did. We did the drama club at New Bedford High School for 35 years, just about 35 years. So it was. We saw a lot of great talent come through the pool and come up, and uh, some of them we worked with at um, these Iterian, for the Iterian productions when they were doing productions, and then when Festival Theater came in, we were still at the high school. So many of them did minor roles or were working in our summer academy, which we should talk about soon too. But uh, it was great working with the young people. It truly is keeps you young. Yeah. But the point with this is we can never rest on our laurels. Mm-mm. So every time that we've done this particular production, it has notched up. Virtually every member of this cast, the teenage gangs in particular, are all from New York and beyond. So it's posed a real big challenge in every single area. Budget, <laughs> number one. Oh, um, yes. Housing, we have to house all of them. And uh, so if anybody is listening to this broadcast, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are. If you know of anybody who is who has rental space, we do rent. If you're feeling extremely flush and you want to offer housing as a contribution, we certainly would accept that as well. But we have to, in essence, house 22 cast members in New Bedford wow. during the month of, it's the whole month of July. So, but it's, it would be a great experience for anybody to house somebody who was in the show because they would have a theater professional from New York living with them. And um, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. It's kind of a, you know, a nice kind of summer stock sort of tradition. It is. It truly is. It truly is. Uh, the, the interesting thing about New Bedford Festival Theater is that um, we are a professional regional theater, which means everybody, and I do mean everybody, from the star to the person who pushes a set on, gets a salary and gets paid. Um, a lot of people don't understand that and figure, oh, they, it's like community theater. No way. This is why our budgets are, um, you know, we try to be very clever with the, the amount of money we spend, but we definitely want the show to look like a Broadway show. Right. And, in fact, our byword is bringing the best of Broadway to the South Coast, and we definitely bring the best settings, the best costumes, the best sound, uh, lighting, uh, you name it, uh, are all part of what we do to make the show look like you're walking into a Broadway theater. So where are we at right now? You're still a, a, a several weeks away, but uh, I know the, the work began a year ago and, and, and won't end for, uh, you know, until the, to the curtain falls. Where are we at right now in, in your all's work on the production? Okay, at this particular point, we have completed all the auditions. And um, that meant four different audition dates in four different places. We started with the Boston Conservatory, where our director actually went to that school, and he graduated from there in 1992. 
Um, he's from upstate New York, and now he's a New York City professional. He's getting his Master of Fine Arts in uh, playwriting uh, right like the weekend before we go up with the show. He's graduating with that degree from Goddard College in New York. So there's kind of a tie to Boston Conservatory over the years. We have done many shows with Boston Conservatory students and graduates. Um, a young lady is literally, we've hired her to replicate all of the Jerome Robbins original choreography. And she also is a graduate of uh, the Boston Conservatory, and she graduated more recently, I would say probably around 2010, 2012 would be the time she did. So she's young and she's still a dancer. She has danced in five different productions of West Side Story. She knows it is part of her DNA, and uh, it's an amazing thing. But she's going to replicate it down to the final moves, and uh, she lives it and breathes it. So, and our director also knows a lot of it. But here's the interesting thing. We brought her on so we could do 100%, and it's hard. And one of the things that's really amazing uh, is when you get the rights for the show, um, which we did over a year ago, um, there is a page that is dealing just with the choreography, and they ask you to choose one of three options you're either going to do 100% of Jerome Robbins or you're going to do zero of Jerome Robbins or, this is the nebulous area, you're going to approximate or do 50%. I am going to tell you that it would probably be easier to do all or nothing than to do that 50%. We, we were not buying that for a minute. Uh, and, of course, always uppermost in our minds was to dedicate... This, of course, to the memory of Jerome Robbins and, of course, to Leonard Bernstein. So we went and signed off on the 100%. Now, people will say, well, what's the difference? Did you have to pay anything more? Oh, yes. <laughs> In order to do it, we have to give them 1% of the gross, which probably will end up being somewhere between three to four thousand dollars wow just to assume that <laughs> so it's a big it's a big uh, it, and yet that that decision was made for us we didn't it, we we weren't going to change it no matter what they said because we wanted it to look like west side Story. right and it has signature signature choreography there's no way of mistaking it for anything else so i think it's going to be good you know it's and the voices are great but let's get back to you that you talked about the Boco audition. We had three oh, other yeah, auditions. Yeah, we got three more auditions. Oh. Then we had the local audition. Right. And we had some very talented people that came to that. And that's where I focus in on. We have a summer academy every year where we have young people come in to be either high school apprentices or college interns, which means we have students from the age of 13 to age 21, and that time span is not a long time in time, but it embraces the full spectrum of young people. Once you get to be 22 or 23, you're no longer, you, you may look like a young person, <laughs> but you're a seasoned adult, hopefully. Um, but anyway, we offer them opportunities, and at the local audition, um, we actually had 
I would say six college students who auditioned to be in this show. And they met with our director and our choreographer, and they were put through the paces, and they made it. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. And when when I called them up to put them on a contract, they were like thunderstruck. (laughs) You you mean I made it? I said, well, I wouldn't be calling you if you hadn't, (laughs) believe me. So that goes on, and that's the exciting element. They're going to be standing on the same stage with some people. uh, We're going to be talking to a gal very shortly that we're going to hopefully hire that's done another five different productions of West Side Story all over the country. And so she's not 18 and 19, (laughs) believe me. So um, it's, it's an interesting experience for everybody including me yeah. and including George yeah. I should say us because we it's always something that opens our eyes oh yes always always be surprised yeah the third edition that we have of the New England Theatre Conference auditions and it's different than all the others because you're sitting in a room with say 50 other producing yeah, organizations we, I want to emphasize that yeah. we, we've just left the local audition now yeah. we're moving on to the New England audition yeah. Yeah. held yeah. in Natick, Massachusetts right. so we're with 50 other we're at a table in a huge ballroom and there's a little stage set up at one end of the room and uh, over 300 uh, people audition for us two minutes they get up, they give their music to the uh, accompanist, they get up, they sing one or two songs, or a song and an acting piece, and everybody makes their little notes, and then if they want them, they're given, uh, you fill out this form, and it goes on the callback sheet, You get they call back to your room, because uh, everybody has a callback room, and then you are uh, stretched out in acting and dance and music by the director and the choreographer and the music director. So it's a much more complicated process than just having a cattle call where everybody comes in and just, you know, you start flushing them out by how they can dance or how they can sing. This is like you have to sit through 300 people. And there uh, annually there are approximately 50 summer theaters at yeah. this yeah. throughout the nation, but a heavy percentage from New England. So you're competing. The other thing about this is you're on, too. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> because you want to hire this kid or you want to hire that girl and um, some other producer from probably Maine, Maine yeah. <laughs> who use that, <laughs> will say, well, I want that one, too. So, and, but they're doing different shows. So that's why you have callback rooms, because the actual auditionee, that person, gets to present in front of all the theaters in that ballroom, gets to present what they'd like to do, what could possibly show off their best angles and and what they can they what they can do and um that's not always sufficient for us we have to see what else they can do and of course um that's why we have to have callback rooms and in our callback room we would have them dance we would put them through the paces so george sits in the main call with all the people coming in separating those we can use from those we probably would not be interested wait from the chair yeah and then in the in the callback room, it's myself as the producer. It's somebody who's teaching them the dance steps, and it's also our music director who sits at the piano, just like you're sitting at the keyboard. And that at that point, he will have them sing songs from the show, and try it again. 
And this time, sing it with as much emotion as you can. And of course, there's one that Anita sings to Maria that um, your boyfriend just killed your brother. So it's the song, a boy like that can kill your brother, a boy like that go find another. And when she's singing that, she is singing with hate for what is going on between the two gangs. Right. And then she's also trying to console Maria, who happens to be her best friend. So that's where the tragedy is in, in the show. But in a callback room, which is a room about this size, <laughs> you're standing there wearing your <laughs> jeans or whatever, and you were asked to... Well, there was one girl at the New England Theatre Conference auditions that had all of us at the verge of tears. Wow. She, sa she sang it, and she wept as she was singing it. She just geared it right up. That's amazing. <laughs> and I said, oh, boy. I said, she's going for the gusto after she left. And, yeah, it's it's one of those shows. It brings out everything. It's this, great. This audition process is interesting because it's kind of like dating. You know, you have to match with oh, them sure. and they have to match with you. You, you. Because you're competing with the other shows, you can't just say, okay, I want the top five. Mm -mm. They have to say, yes, I want to do your show over another show that exactly. they're also being offered. Exactly. So that's a... No, the, the, the last set of auditions are uh, professional auditions in New York. This is where we have a big studio and they dance for us and they think they all have to have send us their headshots and resumes and we have to give them a time frame to come in and uh, sometimes I can tell you we'll get for 20 uh, characters we might get 400 headshots and resumes which we have to go through before we decide we want them to come in for us in New York so it's really a, a double whammy yeah what we do with that is they have to submit to us we, yeah. we announce it in the trade papers in right. New York mm -hmm. one of them being backstage and that we're holding auditions and this year it was on April 6th um, would you kindly submit to us headshot and resume? And then we go through those that are submitted because only, we're only there for one day. And it'll, this year we saw about 100 people, but yeah, there was like 500 people. submissions. Wow. Oh, yeah. And the thing I hate to say to all young ladies out there, I really hate to give you this news, but um, women outrank men five to one in sending in <laughs> submissions. So what I'm about to say to you is the guys have it made, uh, uh, have a little bit more of a break than the girls do. A little less um, competition. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing the people that came through. Um, and that's in New York City. So it was a big time um, audition hall, uh, Broadway shows. Well, when I say audition hall, it's a building where the 16th, 17th, and 18th floors are nothing but audition rooms. And we usually get pretty much the same one every year, and I don't know why that happens, but I think they've got us in a pattern. Yep. Anyway, and when I sit down in the audition room at the end of the table, because the entire uh, creative staff, so it's George's artistic director, the choreographer, the director, and the music director, and myself, five of us sitting behind the table, and we look out at all of them as they come in. And then they're brought in one at a time or by groups, and they audition. But the first time I ever sat in that room, I'm sitting down, and I look. There's a window, similar to the window in this, except instead of looking out at a tree, which is lovely, 
in the window is a perfectly framed image of the Empire State Building. Oh. <laughs> and I said, I've seen this in movies where somebody had a view of the Empire State I said, we have a view of the Empire State Building. So it made you really understand, and it still does, that you are auditioning in New York. That's fine. And that puts a whole different spin on everybody and everything. So it was great. And, and we had one gal this year, speaking of how people throw themselves into... Um, there is a role in the show, in West Side Story, for a young girl, very slim, and she's a tomboy, and she hangs out with the Jet Boys, and she wants to be part of the gang, and they keep telling her, oh, go and wear a skirt, leave us alone, you know, and yet she's in and out, and she's very central to the show, and this girl came in, and there were quite a few girls that did for that role, and they all kind of like, kind of tough, and everything else, and she came in wearing a um, a jeans jacket, and she had her hair all slicked back. She has dark hair, and she had eye makeup on. She looked she looked attractive, but she looked like she could be a punk, real so, real toughy. Yeah. yeah, she looked like she could. I wouldn't want to, you know, wrestle with her and have to push her off from me. But in any event, um, what was amazing is there was also a formal shot of her and in the shot she is a pretty girl fair complected wearing a dress and her hair is blonde oh. and no makeup we found out that she was graduating from performance high school in New York City she had just turned 18 in January she hasn't finished high school yet Wow. and she has reinvented herself. Her stage name is Zuzu. And you should have heard her when I called her on the phone and told her she had the pot. Oh, that's it was fantastic. so funny. And I said, I've got to ask you this. What was the most recent show that you've done since you've been performing arts high school? It could have been anything, Into the Woods or whatever. She says, I just finished playing uh, Anybody's in West Side Story. And I said, well... <laughs> then you're pretty well prepared. She says, well, I know I'm going to be asked to do more in this production. I said, oh, yes. So it was amazing because I, I wish we had brought those two pictures, but I'll, I'll make sure you see those. Yeah. Um, the difference is startling. Yeah. Startling how she metamorphosed into, into very character. Yep. So you said you're, you're still going to be offering some folks, so you're not... You don't have the cast completely assembled. It's about eighty-five percent. Yeah, okay. we oh, have. Yeah. I would say three or four left yeah. to go out of a cast of twenty-nine. Right. George also is going to be in the cast. He's playing Doc. Doc is the guy that runs the candy store mm -hmm. where the kids meet. And at one point, he has a very um, emotional scene with the leading man in the show, Tony. Um, and it's all of those things that are going on. And it's an amazing, it's a very powerful, powerful story. Yeah. So what happens, when, when is your deadline to have the cast uh, all, all together? Well, By the first it, rehearsal, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> you hope. It, it well, has, has it extended beyond in the past? No, not really. Okay. No. <laughs> We've never done anything that close. <laughs> those things rose strange, though. And um, I remember at one point replacing a chorus girl for Cabaret, and I will never forget her because she was just so professional. 
And I called her on the phone and I said, we begin, let's say we begin July 1st. Um, and she said, well, my last performance I'm doing in a show I'm in now is the 31st of May. Uh, 31st, wait a minute, the 30th of June. Yeah. And I said, and that was a Sunday. So I said, well, um, what, what should we do? I said, I have housing for you. And she said, I will, what did she say? I think she said, I will be there the first thing for the rehearsal on Monday morning. And that's what she did. Wow. She was there. And she, she signed the contract and everything that I sent her and made sure I got it. She faxed it or whatever yeah, she, she did. she did fax it. She faxed it and she wanted it. And, um, yeah, that was quite a while. Well, cabaret <laughs> is, cabaret would be 13 years ago. So did rehearsal start uh, 1st of July this year? At 1st of July is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it begins 2nd of July, Monday. They move in on the 1st of July. That's another thing. A lot of people think, my God, you must have been rehearsing a long time for this. Not really. We rehearse two solid weeks, six days a week from 10 to 6 each day uh, for two weeks solid. And then we move into the Zyterian because we do not rehearse in the Zyterian because it's a little too complicated with the technical stuff that's going on and then putting the set together and stuff. Uh, and then we rehearse Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We do the tech rehearsals, which can be long and tedious. And then we put it together with the orchestra only twice. And then we open on the Friday. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's part of the reason why having professional actors has got to be yeah, a, a Basically, huge... they do their homework. Yeah. Uh, you'll find they always get their scripts and music and so forth at least three weeks to a month ahead of time and we ask them to be familiar with it but some people come with everything memorized but of course they have to be taught some of the music and some of the different changes and um you know some people who have actually been in the show before um have to be retrained totally with what we're doing uh and that's always interesting yeah that that is a challenge i think it's very very difficult we did a production of annie and we had a, a, a gal who was directing it and we brought in from um, the road an actor, uh, an adult actor, because he was playing Daddy Warbucks. But he had done Daddy Warbucks for over a thousand performances uh, on Broadway, on the road. He actually played at one point opposite uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who played Annie. I mean, she, she's been in theater a long, long time. So she played Annie when she was a kid. And we did this production, I want to say, 17 years ago. But here's the thing. This man had played it so many times, he refused to take direction. Ah. Nobody was going to move him <laughs> in the position that they wanted. It was going to be where he always stood when he sang this song to Annie. That's different. Doing, doing these movements and so forth. <laughs> But you know, he, I gotta say one thing, he was really on the money because he hit every mark. And when he stood where he did and when he did what he did, unbelievable. And when he opened that mouth and sang, he had one of these Irish tenors. Oh my God. It was worth the trade off. Oh, yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. so. But yeah. the poor. The director might not agree. <laughs> the, the director was a young director, and she has not forgotten it, believe you me. <laughs> One of the things that that we should get back to, though, is we should get back to the Summer Academy because we just mentioned it briefly. And uh, since Festival Theater has been in existence, uh, was 1990 on, uh, we've had a Summer Academy where we have high school kids work as apprentices 
and we have the college kids who work as interns on all levels of production. Some of them actually wind up in the show, and some of them wind up backstage doing what their favorite thing is, lighting, sound, costuming, or whatever. And the interesting thing is that it has been a success since the first time we started it, and we have anywhere from 30 sometimes up to 40 people involved in this in the summer academy and they all here we go again they all get a stipend at the end if they're a high school student or a salary if they're a college intern uh it's very different than a lot of other um i guess apprentice programs which uh, uh some of the uh some of theater uh well, the organizations Williamstown, have the williamstown theater yeah. festival every year in the cor- the other corner of the state diagonally away from uh, New Bedford, um, they charge a lot of money. $1,500. Yeah, I think it's for anybody who wants to be part of their summer academy. But I have to say that the people on their staff and the shows that they're going to be working on are featuring many Broadway big names, including big-name directors and stars. So there's a reason why certain kids end up doing that. But it is very costly if they decide that that's what they want to do. Whereas in, in our case, uh, some of these kids have been with us for their entire high school experience. And uh, they really look forward to that amount of money they get at the end of the summer. And it goes to their scholarship for college. I'll just be on that, the experience of being able to work with professional actors and on a show. Well, that they, has professional... I think it's a big lure. Um, a lot of the repeat kids who come back they really enjoy dealing with the adults and they learn so much from us we have some classes with us some of our uh you know professional performers and in dance or in acting and uh they really have a good time they really do and in addition to really working hard they do work hard these kids work their tails off but everybody does i mean that's they have to and and what i love about the theater business though more than anything else is it is Definitely democracy in action because there's only one stipulation, well, two, two stipulations that separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls, and it's this. You have to have some kind of demonstrable talent, and number two, you have to be willing to work very hard. Other than that, people of every stripe are involved, and I, I get a big kick out of it, I mean, because it's... It all comes together, and it's an amazing, I always think it's a miracle, a small miracle every time a show opens up, I think, oh, my God, when you think of everything that goes on in between, before, from the day you make the decision till the day that it opens, it's a big deal. Yeah, and it's got to, you know, any kind of, uh, you, know, you talk about the hours you spend rehearsing. Because it's so many hours in such a short amount of time, it really has to have that family feeling. You're oh, going to have fights. Does. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have people who <laughs> become oh, yeah. friends and stay yeah. friends forever. It's, and uh, they do. It's true. It's such an intense experience when you're thrown together that way. It's so very it's, intense. You hit the. You chose exactly the right word. It's intense, but also very exciting, because they see they see progress every day. And it's funny, like any other job, like I, I see some progress every day with what we do in the office and dealing with contracts and agreements and stuff, but not like they do. I mean, they sometimes can put together an entire scene, and then when they run it, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and theater fascinates me because it's a different, you know, creative people create things. You know, you build something. 
but theater is is a f- you're building a moment you're building a fleeting moment that yeah. you never it's ephemeral you can't hold yeah. on to yeah so it's really well i'm an, always says that we create memories which is what mm-hmm. we do and uh you know it's a it is it is ephemeral once a production is over i mean it's over it's and no recording no. ever is the same as seeing never, it in, never, 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 in, in, never. in person. And what I always say when I'm speaking to people involved in the fine arts, uh, oil painting and th- that kind of art, and we're all in the same family, obviously performance art, but I said, you know, you have a masterpiece and it's on a wall. And one person probably painted that masterpiece. Well, I said, ours is a living masterpiece. If you photograph it, Bing. And certain photographs just stand out. Yeah. And everybody, every single piece was put together on that. And the costumes they're wearing, the makeup, the movement, the scenery, the backdrop, everything's in position. And it creates a living painting, is what it is. But you are right when you say it, it's intangible. It only lasts for a while, and it's over. It is a memory. It's also a shared experience because, you know, if something unusual happens on that stage or someone turns in an especially good performance, all you have is that memory, but you also shared it with everybody that was in the theater with you and the cast shared that moment and they shared that feeling and things like that. So it's really... uh, And I think a lot of people don't realize how important the audience is to a performance. Mm. uh, we did My Fair Lady last year for seven performances, and uh, almost everyone was different because of the feedback from the audience. Is that more true with comedy, you think? Than, than well, comedies, if they don't laugh, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> deep trouble. But if you're doing a serious drama, it's hard to judge yeah. because it's And it's, it's funny we're having this conversation balancing off My Fair Lady with West Side Story because what, uh, My Fair Lady is considered a comedy of manners, and um, among the actors, actors of, again, of every stripe, they will say about acting, death is easy, comedy <laughs> is tough. Yeah. Because of the timing. Yeah. yeah. The timing. With, with performance in a drama, if you have all your lines down and you're emoting, you don't have to worry about the timing. And the quieter the audience is, the more you know you've got them. But we, yeah, in comedy, like George yeah. says, at some point they don't laugh. They're in trouble. <laughs> when we did, uh, uh, it, it was very, very strange, the audience reaction when we did Mary Poppins a couple of years ago. Uh, the show stopped three times with standing ovations from the audience. Almost every single performance. That's amazing. And we said, well, we must be doing something right because they <laughs> love it. Uh, and uh, But in that regard, it really yeah. wasn't I, – I, giving credit where it was due, I thought it was due to the special effects we well, had. Yeah, it was the whole combat. Because we had thing, Mary yeah. Poppins was flying, and at one point there's a whole crowd scene, and she just – goes up and then she flies across the horizon well the audience went wild <laughs> and there were certain sections where we we the lighting man did a thing with uh, a mirror ball and the lights went through the entire house as the scene was being played 
So that kind of thing works. You have to employ everything. And yeah. it has to be a team effort. You know, that's the, oh, yeah, the yeah. other thing is you have to have the lighting, you have to have the sound, you have to have the actors and yeah. the directors. As tedious as it is, it would be interesting for an audience to see what goes on during what we call the tech rehearsals. Oh, yeah. Where we start adding all those things, where they're working with the sets for the first time and the lighting and the special effects and the sound and everything else. <laughs> and we have to stop and go and stop the and go and, and add. The yeah, and sure. the lights come we, up and, when and, they we have to, and we have to change that is is one of the major things when we get into the theater many of the things that we thought were going to be absolutely solid in rehearsal we have to shift a little bit and change because the set is not in the right place or they can't get it here or something else it changes so you have to change your concept a little bit that is tricky well it sounds like you've got a lot of work ahead of you uh and Let's go. When when are the uh, when is the uh, when's the curtain rise for the first? Well, time? the curtain, the opening night would be July twentieth, a Friday evening, and it runs for seven performances over two weekends. So it's Friday the twentieth at seven, Saturday the twenty first at seven, Sunday the twenty second at two. It's a Sunday matinee, and then we jump on to the next week, and we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings, the 26th, 27th, 28th, all at seven, and we finish with a Sunday matinee on the 29th of July, and that's at two o'clock as well. Uh, You can purchase tickets by simply calling 508-994-2900. That's 508-994-2900. Or going to the box office, which is open every Monday through Friday from 10 in the morning till 5 p.m. Saturday, 10 until 3. So these are the ways. And also, of course, um, tickets are available, and uh, we'd love to see you at that particular performance of your choice. Well, gentlemen, we can't wait. Thank you so much for coming in and uh, chatting Thank with us you, for a Jerry. while. This I really appreciate fun. it. This was fun. We have really to was. do it again before the curtain rises. Absolutely. Once you once uh, once we get closer to uh, closer to date, we'll definitely come back. Super. Very good. Thank you again. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.